0: Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained, Christians are encouraged, and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Amen. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. He has given us access to the very place called heaven because of his wounds for us, a great reminder of that. John chapter one, please take that uh, text as our, we'll take that text today as our place for study in our sermon. Good to have each one of you here. There are some guests today. Uh, If you're seated by one of those folks that are perhaps newcomers to our church, make sure you welcome them kindly. Some are here for a golf tournament tomorrow. Um, but we're glad for you, no matter what reason it brings you here, we're trusting it's the Lord Jesus Christ that we would honor Him together, John chapter 1. We've read these verses, but I want you to focus this morning on verse number 12. The Bible says there, but as many as received Him, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, to them He gave power, to what? To become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Father, we pray that today as we uh, work through this text, uh, your divinely inspired words, that you would give us a clearer understanding of your heart for us, your merciful heart. Thank you for coming in the flesh and then dying for our sins on a cruel cross and rising again to prove that you're God. Lord, this is an amazing truth. We sometimes uh, get weary, perhaps, or comfortable with that truth and and we forget how great it is. Help, help us to be reminded um, by the dear disciple John of these wonderful truths that you are full of grace, mercy, and truth. And today I pray that we would appreciate in a greater way that uh, wonderful salvation that you provide for us. We entrust this time to you. Make us ready listeners and even more ready in our obedience to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, next Sunday night, I, I just thought of this, the next Sunday night, we'll enjoy a time of, of course, uh, our service time, regular time, 5.30, but uh, Ethan's been here for a little while and he'll be here for a couple, three more weeks, and I've been asked Ethan uh, to just share what's, what God has done through his ministry in Texas over the last few months, and one of the things that he's done well with, I think it's intentional, uh, he has uh, just enjoyed developing relationships with folks around him. And God's given a real heart for people, unsaved folks. And through these relationships, He's had great inroads with the gospel. And he'll be sharing His testimony and the word. That will be next Sunday night. I wanted to just let you in on that. Well, we've read the text. As many as received Him, verse 12. Uh, and again, when we think about, uh, men, if there's a PowerPoint here, would you bring that up? Uh, if, when we think about the, really the theme of This wonderful book that Christ is our life. We have to start with the really the where where John makes it clear to us the very purpose of writing the book. We found that uh, towards the end of the book, it's on the slide behind me. These things are written. Uh, John chapter twenty verse thirty one says, "These things were written." The book of John, the Gospel of John, which is a, uh, it's not a synoptic gospel. It's different in that he writes. Not in a historical, chronological way, but his purpose is that you might know and believe and receive Jesus Christ. That you might have life in him. And That's the real reason. A great verse, by the way, to memorize during our series and our study in the Gospel of John. Again, these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. We sang about his dear name, and so we want to really work on the idea as we go through journey with John through this wonderful, uh, wonderful gospel. That that we have to understand there is life, eternal life, and it's only through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, John makes it very clear as he introduced us last time we studied, as we really began the study in this wonderful gospel, John set some very essential and and valuable things uh, to our, brought some these things to our attention. And here are are some of those things. He says, first of all, in the beginning was the what? The Word, capital W, Word. And it was been spoken by God, and and John makes it clear, verse 3, all things were made by this declaration of truth who is a person who was with God, in other words, communicating Inside the Trinity, before time began, this word, this declaration, the summation of all that is true, uh, the source of truth, the person, the second person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ, was there before time began. We know that not only by the truth declared here, but by the truth revealed. And how did God reveal Himself even before He came It says, verse 3, all things were made by Him, and there was nothing created or made that was made without Him. He was the originator of human life, created life. So all around us we see the declarations of truth that have been heard and seen and known from the beginning of time. And John sums up this declaration of truth by using the word word. The word predates the beginning of creation The Word was existent with God in constant communion with God in the Trinity. Not only was He with God, John 1-1 ends by saying, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. One of the most defining declarations of the deity of Christ is found in John 1-1. He... This word, this summation of truth in the flesh was and is God. What a great thing to know that John starts his gospel clearly by defining and coming to the grips with the fact that he wants us to know he walked with God. John, the disciple, the apostle, walked with God. He saw God. He touched God. Imagine that. And he's here to declare to all of us who care to listen, that this God appeared in the flesh and He came with the title deed of creation. The owner, the designer, the creator, the Lord of it all arrived here, God with us, Emmanuel, God in the flesh. He came to His world. John would remind us, we looked at this last week, He came to His world. The, The Word was revealed, but the Word then was what? It was rejected. We saw that as we kind of went through some things last week. It was revealed. But then, it's almost like it was uh, almost unbelievable to us who have come to put our faith in Christ and trusted what we know, what we've heard and seen. We've put it all together, those of us who are believers in Christ. And it's hard for us to imagine that upon the appearance in the flesh of God Himself, that those He created, those He loved, Those he purposed saw him, and many, if not most, did not receive him, rejected him. Amazing. Came unto his own, and his own received him not. In this room, seated before me, are two classes of people, those who received and those who have not received, believers and unbelievers those who have rejected and those who have received. He came and revealed Himself to the world He created and how scandalous, how unbelievable, incredible. They reviled Him. When He, had, when he arrived, they ignored, hated, uh, marginalized, and finally rejected and said, we will not have this man to rule over us. And they ultimately not only did not receive, but they crucified Him. And John says, I'm an eyewitness to Christ's divine nature and right and claim to be God. This same man that I saw, this same one, is the exact replication, not replication, the exact person, essence, and nature of God himself. Verse 2 says, the same. That means the exact nature. This man who brings us the evidence by the prophets, who has given us the evidence by creation, who's put inside of us the evidence of a spirit that longs for worship, this God that created all of His creation, especially the hallmark of His creation, man, in the image of God Himself, this one was sadly rejected. But not all will reject Him. Isn't it great to know that most of you, I would say, seated before me today, of course, I don't know your hearts but you would profess that you have received him. Amen? That's the truth uh, that brought us really uh, to where we are. The word received, but as many as received him, to them he gives the power to become the sons of God. To those who accept him as he is, the true Lord, God, creator, savior, Of all lost, they received, the Bible says, verse 12, a unique power. The Greek there is a right. It's exousion. It means a right. (laughs) A divinely enabled right. What kind of right? Again, we see, but as many as received him, to them he gives this divine enablement to become what? The sons of God, Greek is techna, children, or you become, by God's grace, a part of his family. You who were not originally a part of the family of God, God in love and mercy came, showered his grace upon you, grace for grace, and because you heard about the gospel and you received, accepted him, God did something amazing. He snatched you out of the kingdom of darkness bound for hell, and He placed you at His table. He made you a child of God. That's an amazing thing. It is to them who receive Christ that He gives the right to become children. Paul states it this way in Ephesians 2, 19. You are no more strangers or outsiders, but fellow citizens, the saints, and now part of the household or family of God. I I remember a preacher telling us a story one time at a uh, at a staff retreat about a very rich man who was driving his um, limousine-looking vehicle had a chauffeur in the front. It was a very cold night in a big city, very windy city. And as he told the story, this very wealthy businessman was driving home after a day of work, and there he noticed that the steps, kind of a snowy steps of a tall a building there he noticed that there was a, a little boy that was kind of beggarly looking a kind of a ragtag clothing and he was laying up on the steps of this big building downtown and he said to his chauffeur who was driving him home that night he said please stop the stop the the car the limo and I, I want to talk to that little boy and he called him over and said son what are you doing you need help He said, no, I'm just biding my time. He says, my daddy is a drunk. And so when he comes home from work, he's always angry with us. He often beats my mother and is abusive to us as children. And my mother has asked me to take what little money she had and to go to a grocery store and buy some, some, just some milk and bread. And he said, then why aren't you there in that warm store? He says, well, I... I want to take my time because often daddy will go to sleep and when he goes to sleep he's a much nicer man and so I want to take my time before I come home and make sure that he's asleep because I don't want to get beat by my dad again. And this wealthy man was impressed by the boy's willingness to take what little money he had and to run this errand for his mother, and even protect that money from an abusive, drunken father, and so he said, "Boy, why don't you just jump in here with me?" He says, "Well, I don't. I'm not supposed to get in the car with strangers." Well, listen, I want to just take you to the grocery store. Would that be all right? And can I help you just get a few groceries? The man is overwhelmed with compassion for this little waif, this home, almost homeless-looking fellow, and. So he coerced the boy to get in his warm limousine, and off they went to a local grocery store. And there they got one of the biggest, I guess they say in Georgia, buggies, right? Biggest carts, shopping carts. And down the aisle they went, and the little boy said, Mister, what are you doing? He said, I just want to help you get some more groceries, more than just milk and bread. What would you like? And the boy's eyes got real big. Well, I like that cereal. I never had that or never. And by the time they got done, there was a grocery cart just overflowing. And then the man said, I want to, this is much too much to carry. He says, let me just take these things and help you go right back to your own home. He said, Mr., you don't want to come to where we live, just the bad part of town. He said, I'll go. Let's go. And so into the big luxurious limousine went all these groceries. And the boy by this time warmed up. The man had bought him a wonderful new coat as well. And so off they went to find the neighborhood and the boy led them to the kind of ramshackle house that he was a part of. Nothing, of course, was in order. Things were in a disarray. The house was just a shack, really. And he Stopped right in front of the boy, said, This is my house, such as it is, and my mother and father and my brothers and sisters live in that house right there. He was ashamed of it. Well, the wealthy man got out and said, Here, let me help you carry these groceries in. And they did, bag full after bag full of these wonderful groceries. And then he patted the boar on the head and said, Ma'am, this is just because we wanted to. And he started walking back to the car. And the boy followed him and asked a question. There, there is this sense in which Paul and John realized that we are so far out of deserving anything from God, but there's a God that says, I want to be your father. Not just some distant divine reality, not just a declaration of truth, but I came Every page of the Old Testament points to the coming of the word summarized, the word in flesh declared, the word who would love us, and the word who would offer to us eternal life and sonship. But as many, listen to me, as many as received him, to them he gives the right to become what? The children of God. One day I asked God, would you be my father? And in loving kindness, he said yes. You remember that day? You didn't deserve, did you, to get into that limousine called Grace? But he stopped and he offered, would you get in? I'm here. But as many as received him. He that believeth in Him, John 3.18, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the Word of God, believed in the Son of God. First of all, I want you to see God's divine desire. We're really just going to look at one, basically one verse, but I want to back up to verse 7 for just a look at the heart of God. The heart of God in coming... And John will declare this to us. It's found in verse 7. The same came for a witness, that is John the Baptist, to bear witness of the light, capital L, Jesus Christ, that all men through Him might believe. I want you to know this about your God. For uh, for He is desiring that all men would come to know Him, not just the elect. And I know sometimes we... Have this debate among theologians about how many people did God love and did He die just for the elect and so forth? Well, I want you to know something about the heart of God. Everything, every person that God created, God loves. You can say amen there. It is not in the heart of God anywhere to despise any one of His created beings. He desires that even the wicked turn from His way and live. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. The Bible declares that, that uh, He desires the wicked that would turn from His way, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God and our Savior who desires all men, A-L-L, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. We discussed that in our Sunday school class. Why does God send us out as witnesses? Because He loves everybody. (laughs) He could have put a star on the foreheads of all those that he knew would come to Christ and say, just witness to those. But he sends us to the uttermost part, to all nations, to all the world, go into all the world. He sent his own disciples and he himself went to the villages and towns around. Second Peter 3, 9 says, God is not willing, or God is not desirous that any should perish. Any should perish. Often those who are strongly Calvinistic <clears throat> would Always supply, after any time you see the word any and all, when it comes to God's heart for the lost, they will they, they would supply this little phrase, uh, the of, of the elect, of course. And the heart of God, I want you to be very clear about, loves all, all men, not just the elect. We know that just the elect, I'm sure you know this, only those that Of course, no Christ as their Lord and Savior will go to heaven. But the truth is, the invitation is to the uttermost part. The cry of God, the offer is given. Universally, all are welcomed from the heart of God to the heart of man. God is pleading for all and any, those as many as believed Him. Verse 7 again, that all men might come to the faith of Christ. That is the desire of God. I believe, yes, that His blood is uh, efficacious for all. We know that it'll be efficient only to those who ultimately receive Him by faith, but we must know that the heart of God loves all people. So the heart of God is clearly seen as desirous that all men through Him might believe. Secondly, this morning, as we key in on verse 11, our human responsibility its a mystery indeed. Uh, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, we see it there. But as many as received him, received him. How did you receive Christ? Do you remember the time and the place? Were you there when you heard the gospel, penetrated your heart? There was a growing conviction over sinfulness. What did you do? Certainly you didn't assist God in your own salvation, but you responded, didn't you? You have a responsibility to respond. Humans do that. We don't add to grace. There's no work that we can do to supply anything to a finished work of grace. There's no boasting allowed. It is a gift of God, not of human works, lest in working we attempt to interfere with the precious, sinless gift of God in Christ. And Paul will say, there's no boasting in this, Ephesians two eight nine. 9, not that we should boast. What did you do? To help your way on the on your way to heaven, nothing. It's finished. God did it all. He's not impressed by our best day and our best work. In fact, we're told that uh, the goodness of man is in the sight of God a stench because even sometimes we bring to God these good works to say, "Lord, please put these on a scale, put these over here, and then maybe my sin over here, and Lord, maybe my goodness." will outweigh my badness. And one day, Lord, you will uh, scratch your chin and say, I think they worked hard enough to get in. How offensive that is to God. It is only the finished work, the sinless blood of Jesus Christ that could ever atone for the sin of man. We know that to be true. and The Bible is full of man's responsibility in this. Yes, we have something God is calling us To do, how disingenuous of God to fill the Bible with invitations to reach out, to come to Christ, to accept Him, to receive Him, if we are incapable of doing such a thing. Be careful about your theology. God is calling to us, He's using the venue of of creation that leaves us without an excuse. There is a God. And if you want light, you get more light by coming to the light. And the Lord says, "I'm the answer." Don't ever blame God for the fact that you don't know Him or you're lost. The idea is that God's invitations de- demand a response. They cannot be given to those unable uh, or uh, unable to reach out. God would not. That's not. That's not the love of God. It would be both irrational and unkind. The Bible, again, is full of invitations to come. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Oh, everyone, not just a, a few of you, but everyone that thirsteth, come. Come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, morally bankrupt. Come ye, buy and eat. Remember the verse that says, let the little children come, do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven, Matthew nineteen fourteen, And then we see... Other verses that that command us to go to every creature, not just the special elect, but go to every creature. Pass out an invitation. Heaven is open. God loves you. For God so loved the few. No, God loved the world. Whosoever believeth in him... As many as received him, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Matthew chapter 11, come unto me, all ye that are weary. All ye that are weary. Are you weary this morning, weary of your sin? No answer, no eraser that can clean up your heart. God is calling to you. Come unto me, all ye that are weary, sick of sinning, in Unable to find a solution for it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says to those who go out to the highways, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. It is not God's fault. You at the end of your life, and you say, Well, I just I just was never invited. No. Now listen, I understand. I'm not trying to give you the one side of this thing this morning. I understand John 6:44. I understand that. The truth there says no man can come. This is a double negative. No man can come unless the Father draw him. I'm going to spend just a little bit of time on B this morning because I think it's important for us to understand that. I understand that, not fully and totally. No one understands the elective process and the love of God and It's a divine mystery that God would combine human responsibility and divine sovereignty and make of it a blessed plan, but God is higher than us. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. But I do recognize that God must soften the heart with a preemptive blow of grace and conviction. I would never argue that. I'm just saying that there is a responsibility... What does the verse say? Turn your attention as many, verse 12, as many as what? Receive, say that a little louder, receive him. I never thought up salvation on my own, but I did receive him one day. I did reach out my hand in faith to him one day. Have you? If you have not, you don't have him as your Savior. God is expecting you to respond to him. I never attracted God on my own, never did. I never chose God independently of His moving in my spirit. He drew me to Himself. In fact, He drew up the whole plan of salvation, didn't He? From eternity past, He loved us, and He drew us to Himself. He caused us to hear the gospel somewhere, somehow, He saved us and justified us by His own precious blood. The gift of His Son, offering on the cross His death, burial, and resurrection, provided for us the clothes of righteousness that we didn't have in our own closet. And He surrounded us with robes of righteousness in exchange for our filthy rags, He at the cross To those who come and receive Him by faith, He dresses us in robes that only He could provide perfection. We stand in Him complete. In the eyes of the Father, He looks at us. We're dressed in the clothes given to us by justification. and God sees us as He sees His own dear Son and loves us as His own dear Son. I could not have thought that up. And there's nothing I could do to assist God. That is a blasphemy to even think that. I stand complete in Him because of His work. I understand that I have nothing to do with the saving work of God. I understand that. And I would never say, God, you're so lucky to have me. <laughs> Never say that. And I would never say, I found God on my own. I would never say that. He found you. Even when you were looking for Him, He found you. Before you loved Him, He loved you. God was at work drawing hearts, convicting men. But in every, back to point B here, in every gift giving, there has to be a gift receiving what's my part in this? To be open <clears throat> to the very inclination and grace of God towards you. You say, I, I don't know, and I, and I have some friends in this, this extreme camp that I ask, are you saved or not? Well, I, I don't know. If God wants me to be saved, I'll be saved. Hey, let's not make it complicated. If in your heart, are you with me today if in your heart there has been this and this is a work of God this drawing this convicting realization that you're a sinner and that you have no way of saving yourself but during your lifetime somewhere you realized I've tried this and I've tried that and I've tried to turn over a new leaf and Nothing is working. I'm still trapped in my sin with no answer for it. But somewhere in your life, someone told you there is a God. There is the word declared, revealed. He's been among us, verse 14, and he's declared himself to us. He's died in our place and he's not just a good man who is martyred to show us how a good man dies. No, this man, was truly the Son of God dying for my sins, if you've heard that message and know that He rose again and you fall on your knees or at least in your heart somewhere, it could be on the freeway, it could be at a Sunday school class, a VBS, anywhere you've realized, I can't save myself, but someone came. His name is Jesus. The Word revealed, the Word declared, and I'm not going to reject that. At this moment, I receive him as my, I receive Him as my Lord and my Savior. If you've said that in your heart in a minute, God saved you, translated you from the kingdom of darkness, and placed you at His table. So, we must understand that our part, though it's nothing compared to what Jesus did, we do have a responsibility. Your responsibility is to receive, to believe, and to receive. So this morning, if you say, I I don't think I've ever done that. Well, praise God, this is your moment of opportunity. You don't have to leave this morning unsaved, non-believing, non-receiving. He's provided the gift. Ours is to accept it. That's the blessing of it. God is open to you. Uh, the, the road, the way, the truth, and that he offers to you his eternal life, and God again is the originator of this life, and he 's come, and graciously, every day that you live he 's reminding you that life is short. As I was uh, over the years visiting Paris Hawkins and before his wife died Myrtle, I saw pictures on their mantle, their wall. She was an artist. Some of you have pictures from Myrtle that she painted for you. But what was most impressive to me is the pictures of their family life when they got married. And, I mean, some of the sharpest pictures of a married couple you ever see, almost like movie stars. And then I saw him as he languished in the last few days on Ninety-six years old. Life is a vapor. Seems like here and then gone. God is giving you an opportunity. Before your la- there was a moment. It was just in the last week of Paris's life. There was a moment where Paris no longer recognized his friends or his family members anymore. There's a day coming where no more will the offer and the invitation of grace be extended to you. Don't put it off. Don't say, well, one day I'll do business with God. One day, maybe, I'm just going to demand that God comes and saves me. No, this this is work of grace that He's offering to you. Now is the accepted time. Now is the moment. Don't play games with God. God is not mocked. So we see that there is this responsibility, but as many as received Him. As we look at one more point, I want you to know that we are not, of course, uh, trying to be unbalanced this morning at all. There is God's sovereign initiative, the sovereign work and wonder, and we see that in verse 13. Your job is just to run to Christ. (laughs) You sense your own need, as I mentioned this morning. Don't put it off. Come to Him while it's yet today receive him believe in him trust him and then verse 13 we see this miraculous uh, preemptive uh, work of god started in eternity past verse 13 which were born we're talking about the new birth not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god we see man's responsibility to receive believe verse 12 and then we see God's marvelous mysterious work you see God is sovereign in this and he he's provided for us the whole panoply of salvation and I'm not afraid of God's sovereign wonderful mysterious plan to give him credit for it all how's a baby born well you say pastor or not sure how life begins It's because it's wrapped up in the powerful secret mind of God. Parents may want or will children, but God ultimately forms life by His will, not ours. It's a gift of God. Children are an inheritance from the Lord. They're knit together in their mother's womb mysteriously. He's using an illustration of human life and referring here again to spiritual life, how are we? Come, how do we come to Christ? Well, it is a mystery how God draws us and how He brings us. It's not of your. It is not of blood. In other words, John is saying, it's not because you grew up in a religious home. It's not because you uh, went to a, a great church. It's not because of your family lineage that you'll get into heaven one day. Ah, oh, but my parents, and my grandparents, and their parents before them. Ah, oh, they're all, we're all church. We've been Christian. I've heard this sometimes. Not going Are you a believer? Yeah, we've been believing all our life. We've been Christians all our life. And John says, "New birth is not of blood, humanly speaking, nor of the will of the flesh." This is God's initiative. And you remember, uh, of course, Nicodemus who came to the Lord and says, how can a man be born again? <laughs> he didn't understand. God uses the illustration of human birth there, and then he uses the illustration of the wind. The wind bloweth, John chapter 3, where it listeth. It was a windy day yesterday. Remember that? <laughs> and uh, leaves just flying every which way across our yard, and you would, and in terms of salvation, you would be better off trying to explain that than, and then explain the, the will of God in this thing. I don't know how it works, but I know that as you look at those leaves blowing, where does that come from? Where is it going? I don't understand that. It is a spiritual. Uh, a spiritual enable, a spiritual work to bring someone to life demands true spiritual enablement. We don't understand how it works. We don't understand how a baby has life given to it. It's the work of God. There's a wordplay in John 3 about the wind and spirit. Both are pneuma. You can't tell or control the wind tell it what to do or control where it goes. And so we don't ever mistake true faith in Jesus without saying, well, there is the sign of life. Uh, You may not know how wind starts and where it goes, but there's true signs that that baby is alive and that the wind is blowing. Look at the trees. You see it. New birth involves a miracle and a glorious work of God. And When it happens, there will be true signs of life. The baby will cry. The wind will move. You will know that there's been a power that's inexplicable behind it. If you got saved, you signed a card and said, I said the right words about 25 years ago at a camp meeting somewhere, and that's why I'm saved, and there's never been a sign of life, a cry for God a desire for the Word, a love of the saints, a longing for heaven, friend, you're dead. The wind of the Spirit has not moved in. The truth of the gospel is transformative. It'll make you a different person. Not that you'll quit sinning entirely, but you'll have a new nature in you. And that's the miraculous, sovereign, wonderful, work of God. You were born not because you looked at God and demanded it. It was God who initiated it. Not a blood nor the will of the flesh. I see. I hear this sometimes. I've got saved. I just let go and let God No. Now, there are some people that say, I, I just want to add Christ to my wretched life so that when I die, I'm okay. Rich young ruler came to the Lord full of himself and full of money and says, I want to know how to inherit eternal life. And the Lord turned him away. He said, go sell everything you have and let's have a discussion later. And he went away sorrowful. Why? He had much money. He was satisfied more with what he had. You don't just add Christ to the shelf of gods that you have. This is an internal work that changes you from the inside out, nor of the will not the, will, not the not of blood, the will of flesh, the will of man. You're, you're not saved by the coercive, emotional appeal of a preacher. I can't will my children into heaven. I have to pray God, Would you save them? A preacher can't will you into heaven. It's not the will of man. parent, preacher. it is a work of God in your heart. There's an old hymn that I love. In loving kindness, Jesus came. My soul in mercy to reclaim. You see, it was His idea. And from the depths of sin and shame, through grace, He lifted me. He called me long before I heard, before my sinful Heart was stirred, this miraculous, mysterious move of God, this real work of God in my heart. Some of you are wondering, is what I have real? There is the witness of the Holy Spirit in your heart that doesn't allow you to sin like you used to sin. And doesn't allow you to long for things like you used to long. It changes you. You still have the inclinations of the flesh in the battle. The flesh wars against the spirit. And we're not to yield to the flesh. But the battle becomes even more intense after we get saved. But there's a new nature in us. He called me long before I heard, before my sinful heart was stirred. But when I took him at his word, verse 12, But as many as received him, when I reached out, think of that little boy on the cold, snowy steps. Son, would you get into the car and let me take you to where you need to go? You don't get saved until you step into, you reach, you move, you respond, you receive, you accept. Maybe you have never individually, never actually, never personally done that. God has been pursuing you. God has been knocking at your heart door. God has been convicting you of sin, convincing you that He's the way, the truth, and the life, but you've never received Him, believed on Him, trusted in Him. This is your moment. Well, then the stanza says this, When I took Him at His word, He forgave me. Forgiven, He lifted me. Full of grace and truth, as Brother Wes read for us this morning, verse 14, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw Him. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. His brow was pierced by many a thorn. His hands by cruel nails were riven when from my guilt and grief forlorn in love He lifted me. When I got onto to that, and excuse the rough illustration, that wagon, the car, the limousine of grace. Oh, there was still pain in my existence, but I had a new father. New relationship. Now on a higher plane, I dwell, amen, and with my soul, I know tis well, glory, and yet or how or why, I cannot tell, he should have lifted me. It was not by my will, it was God's working in me. From sinking sand, he lifted me. With tender hand, he lifted me. From shades of night to plains of light, oh, praise his name, he lifted me. And when I asked him at that old cobblestone sidewalk to where he came, will you be my father? He didn't drive away. He said, I've done the work. I've got the home. And your name is on the placard, the place card before your seat at my table. Yes, you can come home with me. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.